Hello, and welcome to the Quacks Podcast. This week, it's just going to be me, Lucas. Brian was unable to make this podcast as he was skiing up north with some of the crazy weather that we're getting here in Phoenix. He should be back next week for normal broadcasting procedures. And we are going to do this podcast every week. We're going to give it a go and uh, see how it goes. So this week, we're going to talk about some news. We're going to dive into L-theanine, which we mentioned last week. And then there's a little educational piece at the end. Now, I think this educational piece you're going to like. What I really want to do is lay the foundation for what we're going to talk about and the direction we're going with this show. All right, so let's jump into the news. This week, there was an article on Healthline, which is a website you can Google. They have health articles from time to time. And the article was called, Why Waiting Five Minutes to Cut the Cord Can Help Newborns. Now, I think the standard for newborns is 30 seconds uh, for the clamping, maybe 20 seconds. But some new research is suggesting that five minutes may be a more appropriate time. Study was published in the Journal of Pediatrics and was conducted by researchers at the University of Rhode Island and Brown University. So what they did was they examined 73 healthy babies. They looked at, uh, they divvied them up into two groups and they looked at ones with early clamping, like 30 seconds, and the others with later clamping, like five minutes. Then they did some MRIs and blood tests at four months old, and they found some pretty drastic differences with the babies that were five minutes in brain development. Uh, They also found more ferritin in their blood. Uh, They found more myelin in their brains. You might know myelin from the disease MS, which is a dysfunction of that myelin sheath, which protects nerves and helps them communicate correctly. So pretty cool uh, that uh, later clamping might might be beneficial. And you know, natural stuff, it just kind of works better. You know, it's like it's like where you want to go when, you, when you're not sure. Uh, you know, I'm sure in the last couple hundred years, doctors were not clamping babies' uh, umbilical cords at, um, you know, 20 seconds. I'm sure it was, was, you know, in the minute range. And, yeah, it's just, it's just a nice, nice fallback uh, that they keep finding, you know, things like this where it's like, well, actually... Uh, what we were doing for thousands of years works a lot better than this newfangled approach. Anyway, let's talk about L-theanine. So we mentioned L-theanine last week, and I thought it would be a good amino acid to highlight on today's show. Uh, L-theanine, it's originally found in tea. You'll see it in green tea. And like I was just saying, nature is pretty amazing in that it often combines two opposing ingredients in the same substance for balance. So L-theanine does a lot of the opposite things that caffeine does, which is why tea is way better to drink than downing some caffeine pills. So anyway, L-theanine as a supplement is very interesting and it's very personalized. People react to it very differently, so it's something you would want to experiment with. Now, I took it for years, every night before bed, and I really enjoyed it. I used to be a big coffee drinker, uh, every morning, I was following in Ray Pete his footsteps, and he said coffee was good, so I drank coffee. And L-theanine really helped me get to sleep every night. Although some people take it sporadically, just you know when they need it. So, but I took it every night. So basically, how L-theanine works is it increases brain dopamine and serotonin, and it will increase the effectiveness of GABA and increase alpha brainwave activity. So 
we're going to talk more about these different neurotransmitters and amines, but to simplify, GABA, it's an inhibitor neurotransmitter that kind of relaxes you in certain amounts. And alpha brainwave, uh, that is a state where you would be if you were like in deep meditation. So there's a group of scientists who were looking at pain and they found that the placebo effect, and the placebo effect, if you don't know, is just when you take something that doesn't do anything, but you imagine it doing something or, or you think you're helping yourself. And so you actually end up feeling better and they call that a placebo. So these scientists were looking at pain and the placebo effect and they found that the lowered pain came from the alpha brain wave activity. So funnily enough, one of the often reported side effects or effects of L-theanine, which raises alpha brain activity, is the lowering of pain or the loosening of muscles and joints, which is pretty cool. So anyway, I pulled up an article on Self-Hacked, which is a website, and it has some of the highlights on L-theanine that I am going to read you out here. So uh, L-theanine, it will reduce anxiety and stress. It will actually lower your heart rate and blood pressure, as shown in some studies. That relaxation did not cause sedation, which is another way of saying that, you know, you're not totally zonked out, which was what my experience was. You know, I would take L-theanine. It's not like the next day I would wake up groggy or anything like that. I just would be a little bit more relaxed and able to sleep. So... Uh, L-theanine improves brain function, so a study looked at people with minor brain damage, and theanine improved attention and memory. So there's been a lot of experimentation with theanine in the nootropic community. The nootropic meaning like, meaning supplements that help your brain, you know, th- those are guys, that community, you mostly guys, some, some women I'm sure, but mostly guys, you know, it kind of stemmed out of Silicon Valley, and it's this whole idea of of improving your functionality, improving your speed uh, with supplements or drugs or whatnot. So it's been experimented in that community because of its improving brain function uh, characteristic. So uh, like we mentioned with the tea, L-theanine will reduce the negative effects of caffeine and improve the cognitive enhancing effects. It protects the heart and blood vessels through increased nitric oxide production. It will prevent fat peroxidation and decrease blood pressure which is a whole lot of ways of just saying it's good for your heart. And theanine increases sleep quality. So they gave boys with ADHD 200 milligrams per night for six weeks and found a higher quality of sleep compared to the boys who got just a placebo. I'm sure there's some moms out there who would be interested in that. In some in vitro experiments, uh, meaning in vitro meaning you know in a petri dish, so not in person, Uh, But in a Petri dish, L-theanine was shown to enhance some cancer therapies and reduce the harmful side effects. Um, But again, that's just in a Petri dish, so you you can't assume too much from that, but it's interesting. And then there was an open label, this is probably the most interesting, I think. Uh, There was an open label study in humans that found L-theanine effective against major depressive disorder. Major depressive disorder. So it could be a good antidepressant. That study, being an open-label study, basically it's not a double-blind placebo study, so you can't assume a cause-effect, anything like that. You'd need to do a double-blind placebo study. But that's the kind of study that I get excited about because it's like maybe this could help people with depression. And actually, when you go to read the experiences on Amazon, on forums, you do see people getting help with depression, along with anxiety, along with sleep. So 200 milligrams seems to be about the max of what you want to take. 50 milligrams is a good starting dose. 
Um, it's not over, it's not like toxic over 200 milligrams, uh, but you might run into some kind of wacky side effects, which I will detail because we do not want to push things or hype things on this podcast. We want to give you the full story. We don't want to look at things through rose-colored glasses and just be pro-supplements all the time. So we want to give you the other side of the coin. When you go over 200 milligrams on L-theanine, you start to get a wide range of odd things happening for people. Now, this is probably from GABA, which kind of has this S-curve of, of use, where basically if you have a certain amount of GABA in your system you get calmness but if you get too much in your system it will actually cause the opposite of calmness so there's lots of reports on taking L-theanine of people getting anxiety and depression and itchiness and restlessness uh, because if you take a dosage that is not right for you you can get on the wrong side of that GABA curve and this is why theanine it's a very personalized supplement uh, that you would want to experiment with you probably want to start low and move up to where it feels good and not beyond that. Uh, it can also activate your immune system at higher levels, which could be good, could be bad, uh, depending on who you are. And I guess I just don't want to scare you away uh, because if you are suffering from anxiety and insomnia or depression, Athenian is a great place to start if you want to go the more natural route. Uh, you can read reviews on it on Amazon and across many forms of people getting great relief taking it. Uh, but we just, I just want to give you the whole picture there. So that's L-theanine. Um, give it a shot if you want to and you have any of those issues. It's, uh, it's pretty great. So now we will move on to the education piece, which I am excited about because, you know, I have, I have a lot of experience in this industry and I have a lot of experience testing things out. I've, um, I've been probably testing out supplements for eight, nine years. I, I'm not sure how long. I probably started when I was in my early 20s and I'm, I'm in my early 30s now, so maybe 10 years or so. And over time, with that experience, you get a sense of a lot of things. And so I have these this, this framework that I wanna share with you on how to use supplements correctly and how to experiment correctly and what the way is to to approach these things because you can definitely approach it the wrong way and do yourself harm um, so let's jump in so i want to really lay the groundwork with regards to experimentation and health and the framework of how to think about these things just to give you some background on me i was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when i was around 12 years old for those who don't know type 1 diabetes is the diabetes that's autoimmune meaning your body attacks your insulin producing cells, your body no longer produces insulin, and so you have to take insulin for the rest of your life. Um, so that's what happened to me when I was 12 years old. Uh, and as I grew older and went to college, I had many health challenges. Um, in my mid-20s, I went to India, and I had this insanely stressful job, and I totally crashed, and I began to really look for ways to get my health back, which is not the right way you want to do it, right? You, health is one of those things where after you lose it, it's much worse than before. You, It's better, who is it, Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, one of those guys who said an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You want to not lose your health. You want to protect your health. Uh, you don't want to try and get it back. So I spent a lot of time uh, reading about different methods and the people behind those methods. And one thing I noticed over time is that each methodology came with like this implicit life philosophy. So for example, 
Chinese medicine, it tends to have this underlying focus on balance to all its diagnoses and treatments. So something is out of whack, you know, it must be brought back into balance. Uh, you'll hear them say, you have damp heat in your liver, and then you have to take herbs to dry and cool your liver down. Um, and the interesting thing, just as a side note about Chinese medicine, you know, they really didn't they didn't know how we worked that well inside. You know, they, they, I guess you could say allopathic medicine, which is the medicine we have today, really kind of started when they started cutting into cadavers and seeing how things work. And because of that, allopathic medicine is very mechanical. You know, some of its, its rules about like blood pressure and that kind of thing look a lot like, you know, the physical laws around plumbing. Um, but Chinese medicine, you know, they didn't really do that. And so the way they would diagnose people is they kind of look at them and say, well, he looks kind of angry and he's red or, or she looks very sad or, or he looks very, you know, uh, happy. And so they would, they would kind of take these and they'd, they'd put your, their fingers on your pulse and, and listen to you and, and kind of come up with a diagnosis that way. Um, so anyway, there's other examples. Uh, there's homeopathy where like cures like there's herbal medicine which is pretty flexible there's kind of like what a lot of people do these days which is take western medicine and try and do it naturally without drugs which you can kind of get far with sometimes um, but for this podcast i think we're probably going to skip around and try and take the best from each methodology however i do want to speak against a certain ideology out there which i describe as basically the detox ideology and this ideology says that you have bad stuff in you and the way to be healthy is to get that stuff out now there may be some truth to this in fact i'm sure there are heavy metals and pesticides and old prescription drugs and you name it you got a bunch of crap in you but going down that path that that detox path to its logical conclusion almost always puts you into a less healthy place than where you started. And the best way to explain why this is, is to kind of start at the beginning and look at what life actually is, or like a definition of cellular life. Now, don't worry, it's not gonna get too complicated here. Um, but to do that, I have to give you a relatively simple example, uh, which has some deep implications. So, say you line up some nails on a table, and they just kind of sit there, they're chaotic, metal nails, and then you apply a magnet to one side of those nails. Well, what happens to that, that metal line? It, it kind of click, 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 it, it lines up, you know? And, and what you could say is those, those nails went from chaos to order. And at a basic level, that's what life is right there. It's energy going through structure. Um, so the energy we would call ATP, that's like what your mitochondria generate, and the structure we would call protein. So that's what life is. It is energy going through protein. And if that energy is cut off, the protein becomes chaotic. It loses its order. Um, and you can read more about this theory. There's this biochemist named Gilbert Ling. He, it's called the association induction hypothesis, which really expands on this. And he goes into proteins and water states. And it's, it's really fascinating, but it's, uh, it's a little too complex uh, to really jump into. So there's deep implications to this this idea that what we are is, is energy through structure. At its core, energy is flowing through structure and disrupting that energy is going to lead to chaos and a breakdown of order of that structure. And we could call that disorder disease. So going back to the detox ideology, 
their basic tenet is to get the bad stuff out of you to restore order to the system. And it makes a kind of sense. It's like, look, you got heavy metals all in your receptor sites and we get those heavy metals out. And then, you know, you can function correctly. You, your, your order will be restored. You know, you will get rid of the disease that you have or whatnot. But often the methods of getting those bad things out, it damages the energy energy of the system and therefore it breaks down order. So you get people who follow these naturopaths and these gurus for years and years doing detox after detox to get the bad stuff out. And there's lots of guys out there like this and they sell you supplements and they sell you detox and you people, they just get hooked. They just get hooked on them and they just do detox after detox. and. They make very little progress because they're focusing on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the bad stuff instead of focusing on restoring the energy to the system, which would then naturally restore the order. So this the, the distinction here, it's subtle, um, but it's important because where our focus lies will dictate our results. So either we're going to be focusing on what's wrong and how to fix it, or focusing on what is right and pursuing what gives us life and health. Now, we have to pursue, we, I mean, we have to focus a little bit on what's wrong. We have to have symptoms. We have to say there is something up here, but you have to then shift to going towards health. Um, it will make more sense as we go along. So you can tell uh, when someone is into this detox ideology, when they talk a lot about what is wrong with you and and what is wrong with your environment and all these awful things and you have to do some really hard stuff to fix it you know they're going to focus a lot on fasting or enemas or chelation restrictive diets that are ideology based or you know they're really going to focus on eating just fruits or just vegetables there's a lot of hardcore vegan diets out there that would fit the bill there's actually this guy um something writer durant writer I, I can't remember it was his his thing was like 30 bad which stood for 30 bananas a day that's what you eat 30 bananas a day it's just insane anyway they so back to how you can tell that someone's with this detox ideology they will talk about progress measured in years where you have to stick to some program that makes you feel like utter crap uh but you know if you just stick to it eventually it will get you to the promised land of happiness and health. Um, but I've done this. I've done the chelation thing. I've, I've done these practices. And I can tell you, after following them for years, the promised land, it never comes. You just feel worse and worse. And I'm not saying that a fast or an enema has no place. Not saying that at all. They do in some contexts. But chronic detox it will eventually lower your energy and therefore it will cause disorder in your body structure, the exact opposite of what you wanna do. So from this, you can see what we are focusing on. We want to increase the body's energy and thereby increase the strength of its structure while lowering the disorder. So we want to avoid lowering our body's energy, be that from stress or bad food or whatever. So you're never gonna see on this podcast, you're never gonna see us saying, well, you gotta just keep detoxing and then you're gonna get healthy. No, we're gonna really focus on what makes you healthy and happy and you'll be surprised at how much that resolves a lot of your issues. That was the podcast for this week. 
It was a little bit shorter than normal because Brian isn't here. He should be back next week. Thank you so much for listening, and please leave us some comments or some feedback so that we can make this into a podcast that you will want to listen to week after week. Uh, I really want this to be set up in a way to give value, to to impact your life in a positive way, uh, and we need your help uh, with either shares or with uh, with feedback to do that. So thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.